This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Good morning to you. Welcome into the Action Line from WGNS. We're going to be talking lawns and gardens this morning. Mitchell Boats here with the answers. And if you have a question, you can talk or text either one at 615-893-1450. Mitchell, good morning to you. Good morning, Bart. Great to have you with us this morning. Thank you, sir. I'm glad to be here. Well, what's the uh, big happenings over at the Lane Agri-Park? Well, I guess probably the biggest thing happening there on a regular basis is the market. That's tomorrow, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Every Tuesday and Friday morning from seven until noon, uh, they've uh, got a got a lot of uh, homegrown produce or uh, homegrown. You know, it's grown at somebody's home, but uh, locally grown. As far as it's, it's all uh, farmer produced, uh, they're not buying and reselling out there. They're selling what they raise. So. Uh, lots of lots of uh, diversity uh good uh, good selection of uh of vegetables and flowers and and just goods and that is in the morning seven until seven noon. until noon yes sir and that's so easy to get to and in addition to the produce and things of that sort you get flowers and shrubs and trees and yeah they've got ornamental plants as well as uh, uh the the vegetables that that are offered for sale and you know some uh, prepared things uh, uh, i don't know if the honey folks are still there or not but uh, when when honey's in season they have or when their supplies are good they do have the honey and some uh prepared foods as well uh fried pies uh, uh breads and such as that we have a phone call right here. Okay. Good morning. You're on WGNS with Mitchell Moat. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing good, boy. How are you doing? Doing great. Thank you. I would want to ask Mitch a question. Okay. Is it too late if you start and get red tomatoes and they keep having holes in them? What about that? Uh, tomatoes getting holes in them? Uh, uh, uh. So, so are, what are you asking me now for sure? Why are they getting holes or, or, or what? Yeah, I want to know if, if it's too late to put seven dust on them. Some kind of insect. Oh, oh okay, okay. Well, if they've already got a hole in them, I mean, the insect's already done the damage. But, um, and, and I don't know that, that dust would be probably, maybe, might not be the best option for you. Um, you know, a lot of insects are going to cause damage. And we often think of it being uh, maybe... Uh, uh, a caterpillar, a worm of some sort, will put holes in the fruit itself. But then you've also got uh, those those plant bugs that actually crawl around outside and feed on the fruit, and they'll gnaw a hole in there too. But no, as long as as long as you're having production, it's not too late to use an insecticide on them. Uh, the thing about the dust is. You know, that's typically going to be more effective when uh, uh, critters are eating the foliage, maybe not so much the fruit. I'd maybe think about using uh, a spray-on insecticide that contains uh, an active ingredient uh, uh, like bifenthrin or permethrin. Uh, might be a little better option for you than just a, a, a sprinkle on dust at this stage. 
Does that help you? I out? appreciate that. I got you. All right. Well, good luck to you. Okay. You have a good one there. Our phone number is 615 893 1450. If you have a question or a comment this morning, 615 893 1450. Here we are. This is the uh, 23rd of July. We're into summer now, well into oh, summer. Very, very much into summer. Yeah. Uh, what should people be doing right now, say, with the gardens? Anything in particular? Oh, wait, wait until the sun goes down or up before it comes up to your <laughs> don't work. Do you it trying early. to stay cool. Yeah, yeah don't don't get out sure. in the middle of the day. Boy, a lot of a lot of pests are uh, a lot of pest populations are uh, building right now, uh, both from an insect standpoint and a disease standpoint. Um, you know, just the kinds of things that we're seeing out in the vegetable garden and in the landscape as well it doesn't have to be just in the vegetable garden but specifically in the vegetable garden a lot of squash bugs uh you know if you're growing squash or cucumbers they can get on either of those they get on pumpkins and so on like that as well but they're uh, sort of elongated uh, dull grayish brown color uh can cause a lot of damage on those plants uh, cucumber beetles um kind of a uh, they're, they're, they'll fly look a little bit a little bit like a lady beetle I guess uh, uh, they're typically going to be yellow colored with uh, black spots on them um, and they can cause a good bit of damage still seeing flea beetles uh, the little insects that, little dark colored insects that, that tend to jump uh, uh, and they'll cause lots of holes in foliage um, stink bugs uh, they'll, they'll feed on a variety of uh, uh, vegetable plants uh, can cause damage to those aphids those little soft-bodied insects that can be a variety of colors they can be a, a reddish color or a yellow color or a pale green color uh, they're soft-bodied and they'll get on the undersides of uh, leaves and up and down stems they're a sucking insect that suck lots of uh, uh, just suck fluid out of the plant can cause damage you know in that regard so a lot of different insect pests uh, in the vegetable garden and, and also in the, the landscape itself on ornamental plants um you know a lot of a lot of insecticide products are available for uh, homeowners home gardeners to use against those different uh, kinds of insects uh, and and you know they run the gamut of those that uh, will have a little bit of residual uh, benefit to them uh, that uh, so if you if you apply it today you know they may help control some insects tomorrow the next day or some of you applied today and you know tomorrow morning there's there's no uh, uh, there's no evidence that you ever applied it in the first place. There's no residual there to it. R- regardless of the kind, uh, if you choose to use an insecticide to keep those insect pest populations, uh, uh, the threshold down pretty low on them, you know, every every product out there has directions on how to use it. Uh, it tells you how much to use per, per unit of area. It may be per 1,000 square feet, maybe per 100 feet a row, et cetera, uh, how much to mix in some quantity of water. Um, how often you can apply those things, how long you need to wait uh, after you apply it before you harvest it. Some things you don't have to wait at all. Other things you may have to wait one day, two days, three days. But my point is pay attention to those things. You know, those are, uh, it's your responsibility if you're going to use them to follow those directions. Uh, And and when people don't follow those directions, they can run into some problems. They certainly can. But but from the garden standpoint, you know, those are a lot of insect pests that are showing up out there. Now, disease pressure also. A lot of diseases are showing up uh, both in the landscape and in the garden. Have you got a call there, Bart? We do have a call. Okay, well, let's go ahead and take that. Good morning. You're on WGNS with Mitchell Moat. How are you today? 
Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you. Just had a quick question about hanging uh, flower pots. Um, during the summer, of course, it's very hard to keep them alive. It seems like I, I water them every other day, but they are just scorched by the heat. And I'm just wondering, is there a secret? Uh, can, is it too much water, maybe? Um, or do you recommend maybe ferns instead of flowers during the summer to be in a hanging pot? Well, I mean, ferns. Yeah, ferns can be good, uh, but a lot of flowers do well in a uh, in, in a hanging basket. Uh, um, petunias, especially, you know, they're a good hot weather plant, and those wave petunias just cascade over the sides of them. Uh, so I don't know that a fern is necessarily any better. A fern would be better suited in a shady place uh, than some plants, but um, you know, it could be the it could just be the plant selection uh, that's in the pot uh, that's that's the problem. Some some of these things need some shade, uh, not necessarily full sun. Uh, but I, I, I doubt I doubt it's an excess of water uh, is the problem. You know, this time of the year, very uh, especially if the pot's not really big, they'll dry out in a hurry. And you know, when we've got temperatures that are 90 degrees or better, uh, and and if they're getting any significant amount of sun during the course of the day, they're going to dry out pretty fast, uh, and and they can literally scorch. Um, you'll see that uh, uh, scorched appearance on the foliage and so on. So, I don't know. So your question was: Is is a fern better uh, than than a than than say another flower well not necessarily uh, but maybe for a, a heavy shade location yeah a fern might be better it wouldn't be suited out in the full sun i don't think it wouldn't do as well but again a lot of flowers will do good uh, in those pots uh, uh, you might try moving them around changing the location some and and maybe put them in a place that does not receive the the hottest part of the sun you know that afternoon sun uh, maybe more morning sun versus evening sun what one thing is that um some sparrows decided oh, I got to nest. try to make a nest yeah. in our flower pot. Yeah. And we, we had to get it out of that that and boy that happens a lot as a matter of fact uh, i had a wreath hanging beside my front door and uh it's got a bird nest in it right now and they've laid eggs in it so uh that's oh. kind of messy uh right there but uh you know i guess they need a place to live too uh, <laughs> but hopefully they'll okay. take care of their business and be gone before too much longer but yeah. uh, well yeah. thank you so much for your advice i appreciate that god bless you all and have a great hey, day thank you for calling this morning you ever wonder about uh, when you open the door, somebody's knocking on the door, is the bird going to jump out and fly in the house? Uh, I, I bet that's happened to people before. The uh, other day, I, I, I was—I I don't have a bird in, in a, any wreath or anything, but we have some little wrens mm-hmm. who have a bird nest about uh, five feet from the door. But they are pretty brave. I mean, I, they come back every year. I yeah. guess they get to know you. One of them was evidently the sitting family. right there at the door, and when I opened the door to go to work the other morning, he decided to come in and visit. Oh, he wanted to say hi <laughs> See, See what's it like in your That's house, right. I guess. Yeah, birds can sure be interesting, and I'm no bird authority and don't don't pretend to be, and, and uh, uh, you know, it doesn't take me long to tell you what I know about birds. But bluebirds are some of the most aggravating birds out there, I think, uh, at least it, it, where I live they are. And... Uh, there are uh, there's 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 a pair you know a male and a female there uh, that that at my house and they uh, if if we don't cover the mirrors on our vehicles 
they will they will fight their reflection in those mirrors. They peck and peck and peck at them, and they uh, just poop all up and down the sides of the vehicles. And this has been going on since back early in the spring. So we've got to cover those those mirrors up, uh, or those those little rascals are out there just. Uh, uh, you know, fighting their reflections, and they'll, they'll even sit and watch themselves in the in the windows, see the reflection in the window. But it's worse on the side mirrors than it is on the windows. But uh, boy, if you forget to cover it up, you come back out, and you can sure tell the birds have been there because they left their calling cards up and down the sides of the doors and so on. Yeah, here's a text from a listener who said they had an old bathroom vanity with a mirror on it. Uh, they threw the vanity away, but they kept the mirror and just set it outside next to the fence. Yes. And they said the birds had a ball. Looked like they were enjoying talking with new friends. Yeah, and, 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 and of course, bluebirds, man, they're, they're territorial. You know, if you're going to put up bluebird boxes to attract them, the advice is put them several feet apart, like 200 feet apart, because they will they try to defend their territory and they uh, uh they they fight with each other and and could have been some of that going on but it could have been you know just saying hey here's my new buddy over here yeah to him. <laughs> i guess i ought to get a mirror and set it up out there so they'll leave leave the cars alone i keep hoping though they'll get tired of it here's a, a listener said this that said if you hang a small rubber snake above your pot's Birds won't build in your flowers. I got some at Martin's. Some yeah, th- things like that can sure help. Uh, sometimes just uh, uh, even even pinwheels that will you know blow uh, in the wind. Uh, so they like actually think they're snakes. I, I'm assuming they do. <laughs> uh, I, uh, otherwise, or why would they be afraid of a, a chunk of rubber? I don't know. So I guess they assume it's a snake. They, they now, wasn't there a, a while anyway. that the the county bought a a, a whole lot? of these uh, fake owls and put them all around the, the, courthouse. the courthouse. Yeah, trying to uh, deter pigeons from roosting. Yeah, so, yeah. We, we still have a pigeon problem, well, I, I think pigeons still, I, they're, they're going to adapt. And, uh, you know, the thing about the owls and the, uh, the, the, the evil eyes, the, uh, you know, the... the the, the balloons, mylar balloons, whatever they're made out of, that have the you know, just a kind of a round orb with the big eye on them, mm-hmm. and so on. they they can work. But I mean, if it stays the same all the time, then they adapt to it. They get used to it, and they lose their their fear of those things. I think so. They have to change locations and change appearances, and maybe change their movements, actions, if if such things. Uh, you know, if if you're using a deterrent, a scare aid that has some kind of a movement to it. Uh, you need to modify those, change them around a little bit, or the birds or whatever the critter is uh, that you're trying to deter can become accustomed to it, and then it's not very effective as, as a deterrent anymore. Here's a listener who sent this text in and said they've been trying to grow tomatoes. They have some really good vines, but uh, nothing on them. But the vines are big, look healthy, and are green. Yeah, so... It, very often uh, when the the issue is lots and lots of vine growth and vigorous vine growth and lots of dark green foliage and, and stems uh, and, and maybe a lot of blooms, but the blooms will not, they don't retain the blooms. Uh, sometimes that's an indication that uh, they're receiving too much nutrition, especially in the form of nitrogen. They're, they're growing too fast. They... Uh, uh, they, they focus all their energy on vegetative growth, which the nitrogen encourages 
vegetative growth, and they got to have some nitrogen in order to do what they need to do. But it, more than they need, and they, they, they will not go into that reproductive phase where they're producing the fruit, uh, and they will not retain blooms, uh, and you'll get lots and lots of vine growth, but very little or, or no production. Uh, and, and another problem that folks may encounter now during these high heat periods is uh, uh, they won't retain blooms. Uh, pollination will be poor, uh, and they'll shed blooms. Uh, they don't uh, they don't do well uh, as far as keeping those blooms. And they got to have the bloom to be pollinated in order for them to grow a fruit uh, to produce a fruit. So, um, it, but the fact that they're talking about lots of lots and lots of vine growth makes me kind of wonder if that's not what the problem is. More uh, uh, maybe a little too much nutrition. So, how would they get too much nutrition? I mean, well, by, assuming the person's not putting them on. Uh, oh, well, the, then the, whatever they're growing it in is supplying it. Uh, so, the, the soil itself. But I'm assuming, though, that, uh, uh, you know, if you're going to the trouble of growing tomatoes, you would try to, to do something to encourage their growth. Mm-hmm. And it is, it, it's very uncommon that our native soil is going to have all it needs in it to produce a crop of anything other than weeds. Uh, it does that pretty good, but... Uh, the, you're going to need to supply some uh, supplemental fertilizer to get the, the the most that you can get out of a crop. And sometimes it's not a big difference between too much and, and enough. And uh, we may tend to err on the side of uh, an excessive amount. Seen some examples of that earlier this year. Uh, folks literally burned some uh, uh, some corn with excessive fertilizer application. Uh, um, after it was up and starting to grow a little bit, they just put way too much out there. Um, so it's, it, I think that's an entire, entirely a possibility. It certainly could be the problem. Here's a text from a listener who said they moved to Murfreesboro in early fall. They said the grass uh, was a relatively new house and the grass was growing all around it, but there were a few spotty areas in the back. And they still are spotty, but they've gotten the grass to grow in the other places. They've had people come out and uh, put in fertilizer, what have you. And it's still spotty in the back, about a 50 by 50 foot square. She said there are a lot of trees in the back, too, which is giving it shade. What Mm -hmm. can they put in there? Well, it may be that there's not enough sunlight to successfully grow grass with any kind of consistency. Uh, Even even a a shade-tolerant grass... uh, um, it, it needs some sunlight in the mm-hmm. course of a day. Um, it, typically, they can those shade tolerant grasses will survive with some filtered light. Uh, it doesn't have to be full direct sun, but they've got to have some sunlight. And it, it is it is very often that we'll find that some locations are just way too shady to uh, to support uh, uh, grass growth. Um, <clears throat> but it, if if it has a chance at all of supplying grass growth, then you got to choose a grass that is going to be more shade tolerant. Uh, fine fescues are going to be the more shade tolerant options out there. Uh, things like creeping red fescue uh, can be a more sh- well, not can be they are they're more shade tolerant grass. So if you're going to try to grow grass uh, turf grass in a shady area, then you need to look at some of those uh, uh, more shade tolerant uh, varieties. You know you can buy mixes of of, of shade blends or, or it's not a blend it's it's a mixture of shade grasses. You might have multiple species in there. There may be hard fescue, uh, uh, red fescue, uh, etc. Just multiple species of what are referred to as the fine fescues, which typically are the more shade tolerant grasses. That's something you could certainly look at uh, as, uh, as as a grass choice uh, in those shady areas. Um, you know, another thing is uh, uh, 
how uh, how how good how much soil depth do you have there? Uh, the fact that you got some trees uh, kind of makes me think. Well, there's there's probably enough soil depth to support grass growth. Although you you know trees can grow out of uh, cracks in rocks sometimes, so you wonder uh, uh, how they're able to do that. But that can certainly uh, have an impact on how successful uh, you are at keeping uh, grass growing in a place is the amount of soil depth there simply because shallow soils dry out so fast and uh, they won't hold enough water to consistently keep a, uh, a population of turf grass growing uh, in those areas. Um, if you've got soil depth, if you're getting enough sunlight to support grass growth, um, it could be that uh, that that ground just this just the physical nature of the ground that that soil uh, needs to be improved some. How can you do that? Uh, a, a good way to do that is to add a layer of compost, uh, just just mature compost, uh, to uh, that, those areas. Uh, she said this fifty odd by whatever or he or she that uh, sent the text in some some fifty by fifty, 50, by 50 area out there. Uh, you know, cover that with a, a, a layer of compost, uh, to a couple of inches deep, and, and till that in. Uh, so that you mix that into the soil uh, profile pretty good. Uh, sometimes uh, that that can help improve the physical property of that upper upper soil surface and help it far as uh, you know water reti- water retention. Does it does it hold water well enough? If it does not, then the addition of compost can help that. If it tends to want to hold it too good, if it doesn't, if it holds it too tightly and doesn't drain so well, the addition of some compost can help with that. Uh, keep that soil from crusting over. Uh, and, and the, the, the top of it getting too crusty and making it difficult for a, uh, a newly germinating seed to push that uh, sprout up through there. Uh, so, you know, without knowing without knowing more, I mean, I'm just, all I can do is talk in generalities about that, I guess. But those are, uh, those are some issues with trying to grow grass in shady places. Um, they just don't get enough sunlight. So, if, but if, if you have enough sunlight uh, to grow the grass, if you've got enough soil depth to grow the grass, then you might look at doing some improvement on that soil with the addition of uh, uh, mixing some compost into uh, those areas. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. We're going to pause and check on the traffic and weather, and we'll be right back. Mitchell Motes, our guest from the Rutherford County Agricultural Extension Service. Don't forget, tomorrow is a farmer's market, 7 in the morning until noon at the Lane Agri-Park. By the way, that's over on John R. Rice Boulevard, next to pause, and just down from Sam's. Start your weekdays with the early show. Zach Trotman and CBS News Radio wake you up weekday mornings from 4 to 6 a.m. on News Radio WGNS. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Restaurant. We're excited to announce that our dining rooms are back up and running. We may not be at full capacity and we may not have all of your favorite menu items or the favorite touches that you're used to having. But at the same time, we are excited to be able to serve you. We have brought our servers back. We have retrained them. Our cooks are excited to put the steaks on plates that you can cut with a real knife as opposed to plasticware from your home. And I invite your family to come and join our family back at Demas's Restaurants on Broad Street in Murfreesboro. If I could talk to the animals. Here at Animal City, we have a variety of products to suit almost any pet, including premium foods, toys, and habitat accessories. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City, 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. 
Here at Animal City, we are happy to be here to help you take care of your pets. We are well stocked with a variety of enrichment items for your pet, including toys and treats to keep them entertained. Animal City, 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Good morning. Traffic still looking pretty decent, actually, down 24 right now, passing Walden Road. Sam Ridley still got some traffic working your way down towards the interstate coming out of Smyrna. Traffic inbound 41, Murfreesboro Pike. Still a pretty good route if you plan on taking that route for whatever reason. Hey, the perfect getaway just outside Gatlinburg is Cosby Creek Cabins. Check them out at CosbyCreekCabins.com. I'm Commander Chuck. You're on time traffic. Thank you, Chuck. What about that Murfreesboro weather? Brought to you by First National Bank of Murfreesboro. We'll see a few scattered showers and thunderstorms here this afternoon with partial sunshine developing in a high around 90. Winds out of the west around 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 75. COVID-19 has changed our world. And First National Bank of Murfreesboro is here to help you. Scams steal your money. I'm Shelly Rigsby, manager of First National Bank of Murfreesboro. And I'm Amanda Gentry. Don't give your personal information to people you don't know, even if they say they're the police, IRS, or anyone. For financial guidance, get with First National Bank of Murfreesboro, 2230 Mercury Boulevard. Member FDIC. Two powerful FM signals, one AM signal, and online at WGNSRadio.com means that you can listen to us anywhere. AM, FM, FM, online. Hey, welcome back. Our number is 615-893-1450. That's the number. Give us a shout. 615-893-1450. And Truman uh, Jones will be coming your way at 9 o'clock this morning, a little after 9, from Sylvan Park Restaurant. Head on over and say howdy to Truman. Eat some breakfast over there, too. Right now, Mitchell Moats with us from the Rutherford County Agricultural Extension Service. If you have a lawn or garden question, you can talk with us, you can text us. So we're pretty open to any form of communication. I guess you could send a carrier pigeon or something up here. We'd notice it maybe at the back door. Maybe there. maybe you could uh, instruct it to come to the window and that, peck and on it. That's yeah. right. Pecking code or something. 615-893-1450. A listener has uh, sent a text and said they went to the farmer's market last week and they had heard uh, you talking about fishing in the pond. They took their child with them and they just had a ball uh, uh, while doing a little shopping. Uh, well, good. Yeah. And they did uh, some fishing while the wife was uh, inside uh, enjoying themselves there. Good morning. You're on WGNS with Truman. Oh, not with Truman, but Mitchell. How are you? Quite that time, Bart. That's right. <laughs> um, hey, buddy. And good morning to you, Bart. And good morning, Mr. Mitchell. Good morning. Um, let's talk about slugs for just a minute. I can't get rid of them. And uh, they're, I need a humane way of doing it. Somebody said salt, and that dries them out. And um, Give me some ideas on that, Mr. Mitchell. Well, you know, an, an old remedy that uh, will work uh, is... Uh, use uh, just just take a, a shallow dish. Uh, it could be say you know like one of the disposable aluminum pie pans or, or a, a food container of some sort. Whether it's plastic aluminum, just a a shallow dish uh, container of some sort, and. <clears throat> 
put it in, uh, uh, go out to the area, I'm assuming it's probably in flower beds, landscape beds where you're seeing uh, a lot of slugs, um, and and scoop out uh, depression and set this, uh, uh, this container in that depression so that the top of the container is uh, pretty well level with the, the surface, with the soil surface, the mulch surface, whatever kind of environment it's going into, and uh, fill it with beer. And they will come into that, uh, uh, and uh, they they won't come out. I don't know if they're happy when they die, but uh, uh, at least they're they're certainly not being desiccated uh, the way that uh, salt uh, will do that. You know, salt will certainly kill them, but you've got to put it on there. Uh, diatomaceous earth uh, sprinkled around uh, uh, in the areas where you're seeing a lot of slugs is another potential control method. Um, is it uh, is it humane? I don't know. I don't know how slugs what they feel uh, or, or so on. But now it causes physical damage uh, to their uh, uh, to their skin. I guess would be the way to describe that. Uh, and and as a result of that, then it uh, leads to their uh, uh, to their expiration. Um, and there are slug baits that have a, a toxin that uh, uh, can be effective against slugs. They ingest those, uh, and it will will lead to their demise also but i guess from uh, uh of those of those mentioned the the use the, the, them crawling into the beer and uh, uh and drowning or i don't know if it's from alcohol poisoning or what but anyway they crawl in but they don't crawl back out so they uh, do crawl you don't have to pour it all the no way. no you put it there and they come to it yeah that's the reason you're going to bury it there uh so that the surface or so that the uh, uh the, the top of the container is level with the, the surface of the soil they don't have to climb up and over anything they just crawl right into it something about that they're, they're attracted to it apparently uh and that has been a method for uh uh, controlling slugs for a long time, and folks have met with a fair amount of success with that. Hmm, interesting. Uh, hopefully that'll help you. I guess he's gone. Okay. Uh, all righty. That opens up a line for you, 615-893-1450, 615-893-1450. And you can talk or text on that, 615 uh, another text from a listener says, I'm still wanting to put out a garden. I've prolonged it too long. Uh, have I gone so long that I can't put anything out now? No, no, not at all. I mean, you could still plant a lot of vegetables. Uh, and, and, and you know, we're, we're a little early yet for uh, putting out uh, fall gardens. But that's, uh, that's also a possibility is uh, putting out some of those cool season crops like your greens and collards and turnips and uh, and, and so on, uh, you know, a little bit later on. But right now, I mean, you still, you could plant uh, cucumbers, you could plant squash, uh, uh, you know, you might, you might, you might get lucky and have enough time, uh, even with some tomatoes to get those started. But, uh, uh, you know, corn might be, might be a little bit late uh, for that. I don't know that you'd be able to, to harvest any corn before frost. Uh, some of those longer, uh, varieties or, or, or longer, uh, uh, time plants might be tougher, but, but absolutely, uh, you know, peppers and squash and cucumbers and things like that. Uh, I'd even try some tomatoes if, if, Ooh, if yeah. I like them, sure. Okay. But no, it, it's not too late. But, you know, every day gets a little later, so you don't want to put this don't off. Don't put it off. Yeah. Good morning. You're on WGNS with Mitchell Moat. Hello. Hi. Uh, I've got a question about the fishing pond. How far is the parking away from the pond? How far is it? Oh, my. 
pretty close. Uh, it, well, I mean, it's relatively close. Uh, it's within, I'm going to say, 250 feet or less. Yeah. Well, I've got a friend. He likes to fish, and, and he has trouble walking, and I was wondering yes. how close the pond is to that. Okay. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm estimating that, but I'm going to say it's within... 250 feet or, or less uh, I to the closest. You could walk that far then. Maybe what so. What kind of fish are in there? What kind? Well, I know, I know I've seen some catfish come out of there and I've seen some uh, uh, some bass come out of there. But, uh-huh. uh, I, you know, there may be others in there and I don't know. I suspect there probably are. Okay. Well, thank you a lot. I yeah. appreciate You're it. You're welcome. Have a great day. Uh, and, and you had mentioned that you do have to have a fishing license. That's, just, just like any place yeah, I mean else. that's that's the the part of the uh, requirements out there that you uh, you follow TWRA regulations. Yeah. For now, is there a, a, a sidewalk or anything around part of that? No, or? no, it's okay. not a. There's not a walkway around the pond. But it's sort of behind one of your uh, gardens that is a, a sample garden. Uh, it's uh, I mean it's directly down the hill from. Uh, uh, from the outdoor pavilion where the butterfly garden is and um, uh, the the master gardeners, the vegetable garden demonstrations are. Uh, there's a uh, uh, crepe myrtle demonstration there. So, I mean, it's, you know, the area is, is, is mown. Beautiful area. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, uh, but, I mean, there is some slope to it. Uh, and, you know, it's it's a natural area. So it's, it's, not, uh, it's not as sure footing as walking on pavement would be. Good morning. You're on WGNS with Mitchell Moat. Kimberly ferns, and it seems like they've got the Japanese beetles on them, and I need to know how to get rid of them. Okay, Japanese beetles, uh, you can, you know, Liquid 7 is a good control for Japanese beetles. Um, uh, just, you know, just your, your Liquid 7. Uh, but I, you you could also, um, uh, a strong, depending on whether you want to use insecticide or not but a strong uh, uh, spray of water will knock those japanese beetles off uh and you know then you can you know destroy them by hand if you wanted to but liquid seven is a good control uh for japanese beetles okay thank you very much you're welcome good luck to you 615-893-1450 if you have a question you can talk or text whichever you prefer Somebody asked, how do you text on that same number? Well, you have to use a cell phone. I don't think you can do that with a regular phone unless your phone's different from mine. Eh, probably not. Okay. Probably not. <laughs> so uh, 615-893-1450. And that's the number to call to lock in with Mitchell Moat this morning. You know, mm-hmm. t- talking about things uh, to do and, and things that are happening right now, um, some of the things that we have seen uh, examples of in, in the last few weeks um, uh, out in the lawns. And, you know, the, the hot weather has really got Bermuda grass and, and, and the warm season grass is growing right now. And, and folks are finding that they're having to, uh, uh, especially those that are in areas where you get some of these pop-up showers where your moisture is, is still good. Uh, we hit, you know, last couple of days I've had rain at my house, uh, but prior to that, I mean, it was getting dry. You're starting to see hot spots show up out in the yard uh, where uh, the ground was really starting to dry out. But uh, some places have not gone through some of those dry spells because uh, they've gotten the pop-up showers and so on, and that grass is really growing good. So you need to stay on top of that, you know, and keep things mowed on a regular basis. Uh, uh, just, just, just 
more helpful for the overall quality of the turf itself. And unfortunately, the crabgrass and the Dallas grass, those weed grasses, are growing just as vigorously uh, as the other grasses are. But uh, uh, so so that leads me up to my point, I guess. So so there are uh, still a lot of weed issues, or can can certainly potentially be a lot of weed pressure in some of the home lawns, and and so folks will resort to using uh, an herbicide to control some of those weeds, and and that's that's what herbicides are for to control weeds. But I want to caution you to to pay attention, just like talking about using insecticides on vegetables earlier. Well, if you're going to use an herbicide uh, to control weeds in your home lawn, pay attention to the label, what the directions are, because so many of uh, those uh, herbicide products that are packaged for homeowners to use will have a caution about hot weather. Uh, and it will, you know, an example of one that comes to mind says, do not apply to Bermuda grass when air temperatures are 85 degrees or above. Or do not make broadcast applications when the air temperature is 90 degrees or above. What happens is that under high temperatures, those plants, these grass plants that normally are tolerant of that particular herbicide, and they're not damaged by applying the herbicide to them, well, under those high weather conditions, hot weather conditions, high temperature conditions, you apply the herbicide and the grasses will show damage. And folks have damaged grasses by applying these products when uh, it was above uh, the, the caution level uh, found in the label itself. And, and when that happens, I mean, don't don't get mad and blame the product. I mean, that's operator error. That's that's. Uh, uh, you, you didn't follow those directions there. And, and the reason I say that is we typically see at least one example of that every year. Well, I've already had my one for this year. I just soon not have to see another one. So, you know, be careful about that. Pay attention to those things and, and follow those label directions. Let's take another call. Okay. You're on WGNS with Mitchell Moat. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. I have a question. Uh, well, last year I planted uh, green beans and the birds just scratched up the garden and ate all of my beans. I had two stalks to come up. And also, I had a friend that happened the same thing. The same thing happened to her, and they also ate her tomatoes. So what do you do to prevent something like that? I mean, I wouldn't even plant any green beans this year. Yeah, that, that can sure be aggravating. Uh, I mean, sometimes you just got to physically deny them access to the plants. How do you uh, do that? That's what bird nets for. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, put put a cover over them uh, just to keep the critters away from it. Um, and, and bird net is one way to do that. Uh, and when when you said that the birds were eating the tomatoes, I'm assuming they were they were pecking holes in the tomatoes. They were eating the fruit. Is that not not the plant, but the fruit? Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's that's sure an aggravation. And and you know sometimes some scare tactics can help uh, using some scarecrows, uh, uh, scare devices. Used to see a lot of gardens. Uh, well, I guess maybe saw gardens more uh, more often maybe than we do now sometimes. But uh, you know, in the summertime, we'd pass a vegetable garden, and just about every garden out there had had pie plates, aluminum pie pans, the old disposable pie pans uh, tied to strings, flopping in the wind. Okay, well, why is that out there? That's to keep birds scared off. Try to keep them from bothering your stuff, uh, and see scarecrows out there, stuff like that. But the, the the surest way is to cover them with something in bird net uh, it would, is a way to do that that's what bird net is for it's a fine mesh 
and you can uh, you know use some supports of some kind uh, you can drape it directly over the plants but if you used a support to, to hold it away from the plant then it would make it more difficult for the bird to peck through the mesh uh, itself and get to a fruit uh, but in you just you know you just got to fight them uh, when they decide they're going to come in there and uh, uh, try to take advantage of the fruits of your labor just like you are then then you know you're kind of at war between or with them and um, uh, it, it can be a battle sometimes but but denying them access through some kind of a cover is the more sure way to do that but then you've got the option of Using some of those scare tactics as well, the, the scarecrows, the uh, the noisemakers, the, the the motion things, and that's what mm-hmm. you know. The pie plates just tied, you know, run, uh, put up two fence posts and run a line down through there and tie those plates on so they flop and wave in the wind. You know, that that's a way to do that. Uh, sometimes they can be effective, but uh, uh, you know, you may have some very brave birds that might not be scared <laughs> by those things too. Okay, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Good luck to you on that. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. Helping folks, that's what Mitchell does every day, what all the folks do. Over at the Rutherford County Agricultural Extension Service, we're going to pause and check on the traffic and weather again. We'll be right back and continue the conversation. We'll be in the final segment, so if you have a question for Mitchell, give it to us quickly. Don't wait until the show is over. 615-893-1450. Now, more than ever, start your mornings with WGNS. Swap and shop with Bart Walker. Weekday mornings, 750 to 810 on WGNS, AM, FM, online. Hi, this is Tina Fox, the Rutherford Farmers Co-op. If you're having any gardening needs or needing anything to help those plants grow, something for your furry friends, have a wonderful clothing line, and a great gift department for whatever kind of gift you should need. We have our Duke Cannon line for the men's grooming products. We also have our farmhouse fresh for our ladies. This is Tina Fox at the Rutherford Farmers Co-op Farm and Home Center at 985 Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off of South Church. For 80 years, Roscoe Brown has been the trusted name in heating, cooling, and plumbing for Middle Tennessee homeowners and businesses. Throughout the years, our number one goal has been to accurately assess your HVAC and plumbing systems. With four locations in Middle Tennessee, we provide 24-7 assistance by calling 1-888-MY-ROSCOE. Turn to the experts at Carrier and Roscoe Brown. People you know, a name you trust. RoscoeBrown.com. Hi, everybody. This is Jenny with Ryan Flowers Coffee and Gifts. First, I want to send out gratitude for your continued support. We just are so blessed to have you. On that same note, this is the time that many people need to have their days brightened up. We can do custom-made baskets for those that are quarantined, for the kiddos, and we even can fix the mother up to help her relax. Ryan Flowers Coffee and Gifts, 117 South Academy Street, between East Main Church of Christ and Junior's Foodland. Good morning. Traffic still looking pretty decent. Actually, now 24 right now, passing Walden Road. Sam Ridley still got some traffic working your way down towards the interstate coming out of Smyrna. Traffic inbound 41, Murfreesboro Pike. Still a pretty good route if you plan on taking that route for whatever reason. Hey, the perfect getaway just outside Gatlinburg is Cosby Creek Cabins. Check them out at CosbyCreekCabins.com. I'm Commander Chuck. You're on time traffic. 
We'll see a few scattered showers and thunderstorms here this afternoon with partial sunshine developing in a high around 90. Winds out of the west around 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 75. Hi, this is Gator with Tire World Off-Road. We're your local rough country dealer. So when you're ready to add some character to your rig, ask for Gator at Tire World Off-Road on Memorial Boulevard. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Online at tireworld.us. Dave Ramsey, America's most trusted money expert. The Dave Ramsey Show, live each day from 1 to 4 on WGNS Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Welcome back. Mitchell Moats with us from the Rutherford County Agricultural Extension Club. In addition to Mitchell, the HBS group is with us this morning in large number. Do they meet over at your place? I've got to plead ignorance. HBS, I, I'm missing that. So. Uh, Hummingbird Society. Oh, oh, Hummingbird Society. Um, the question from a listener, where are the hummingbirds? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, well, I have two that uh, come come to my uh, come to the feeder there, hanging off uh, hanging on the Mitchell's front porch. House. Well, there's two out there anyway <laughs> that are there pretty regularly. Um, um, but I don't know. Okay, I, I'm not sure. The listener hasn't said any more. Send us another comment. Uh, are you having problems with your feeder, or uh, have you tried the colorful flowers? Uh, any of those work? Did these work last year? Uh, or is this an ongoing problem? I yeah, I, 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 I don't know the answer to that. I mean, again, uh, uh, they but have, they should uh, be here by now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They would they would be here by now. They've been here for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, again, I have I have the two that are are frequenting the feeder there at home. But uh, that's that's all I can speak to with any certainty. All right, our phone number six one five eight nine three fourteen fifty, and you're on WGNS with Mitchell Moat. Good morning, Bart and Mitchell. Good morning. The reason I was asking that uh, about the hummingbirds, Bart, is I, I put a brand new hummingbird feeder with the red dye and stuff in it out, and uh, my wife does. She's at home all day. She doesn't see a single one yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it does not have Mitchell the little yellow flowers on the, on the bottom of it that I think used to attract them. This is one I got from Lowe's. Mm-hmm. Very nice one. But uh, oh, I don't know. One yet. Yeah, I don't know that the, the little flower uh, uh, decoration there around the, the feeding uh, uh, outlets, the feeding holes, would matter that much. Um, but boy, you know why? Why you don't have one? I, I don't know. Uh, uh, <laughs> but you've had them before, is that right? I, I, we did, Bart. Uh, yes, uh, every year except at this time. Um, even my neighbors uh, down the road said they haven't seen any their way. I didn't know if it was because of the heat, Mitchell, or, or, or what, but I thought the red dye was supposed to attract them anyway. Yeah, the, the red color is uh, one that they uh, uh, apparently are attracted to. And, I mean, you know, it's it was hot last year, too, I think. So I don't, I don't know that the heat would, would, would be a factor what? in that. Uh, Mitchell, what's the last month we'll probably be seeing them? Oh, boy, last year it seems like they stuck around uh, uh, way up into October uh, because it was warm so long. I think that may have had some influence on it. But, you know, typically the latter part of October, uh, we start seeing them go away. Well, 
maybe I'll just keep watching for them. Yeah, them. yeah, and you know maybe uh, the solution if it's out there a, a while, you might try changing it because it's possible it could it could ferment on you. I guess so. Contaminated. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you both, Mitchell and Bart. All right, thank you. You, you have, have a good, good day. You. Good morning. You're on WGNS with Mitchell Moat. Good morning, Mitchell and Bart. How are y'all? Doing great. Well, well thank you. <laughs> hey, listen. Uh, I put out my feeder. And I've only seen one. He came and stuck his little beak down in the little flower that's on there, and I had fresh food out there. Uh-huh. And he zipped away, and that's it. And I have a friend who had them by the dozen. Not a single one. Well, two. Had two this time. And we wondered if that storm earlier in the spring blew them off course and they went somewhere else. Hmm. Uh, you know, that's... That may be that, that may be a contributor to that. I, I again, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. But I have a problem with my bluebirds too. They'll come and check out the box, and then they leave. They don't build a nest. But I saw them back out there the other day. But they didn't go completely into the the, the, the box. They just peeped in and left. H- has anything built a nest in there before? Yes, there's the partial nest in there. Do I need to take it out? You know, it might it, it, it might be that uh, you want to take and clean that box out. And and, and two, um, oh, I'm trying to remember. I uh, read something about this a while back. And, you know, a snake uh, uh, will eat eggs, and they can crawl in there maybe and get eggs out. Well, anyhow, apparently they leave the, the, their aroma, their, and a bird will, uh, uh, that will deter them from coming in. And it might be you need to take that box and clean it really good uh, to help get rid, uh, potentially, if you'd have a snake in there that uh, uh, got some bird eggs in, in years past or something, uh, it might be deterring them from building there now. We are flat out of time. And Mitchell Mote has been our guest this morning. Mitchell, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Bart. I appreciate the opportunity. Truman is next.